You're listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast with Chris and Susan Beasley. Hi, it's Chris and Susan Beasley here with the very first podcast of 2022. And we could not have thought of a better couple as guests to launch this year's show than Anna Gabrielle Mann and John David Mann. And in a moment, I'm going to ask them to share why they're here. But let's say we've known John a lot of years. He's written a lot of books and we've had the honour <laughs> to speak with some of his co-writers in the past. And this time we get to speak with his wife, which is rather special. So would you guys like to introduce yourselves to our viewers and listeners? I'm going to introduce John. <laughs> I love that's it. That's and then, <laughs> and then I'll let him introduce me. Um, John is a celebrated writer. He's written over 30 books. Um, he's a multiple times New York Times bestselling author. Um, he has been mostly in personal growth and, um, and business and leadership and um, has written a lot of beautiful parables. Um, you know, the, the original Go-Giver with Bob Berg and the Go-Giver Leader with Bob Berg and um, a number of other wonderful parables, um, The Latte Factor with David Bach and Out of the Maze, which is the follow-up book to Who Moved My Cheese with Spencer Johnson. Yeah, so there's been quite a parade of amazing and beautiful books that have done beautifully out in, in the marketplace. Um, but this year, and in the last couple of years, he launched his first novel, and that is called Steel Fear. Yep. And Publishers Weekly has called it one of the test, 10 best uh, novels of the year, which was quite an amazing honor. And so we were very thrilled to see that. And um, he's just completed Cold Fear, which will publish in June, which is the sequel. Yep. Very exciting. And there's still another fear coming. Um, so, um, this year when the pandemic hit in 2020, um, this is a book that we wanted to write for more than 15 years. And, um, we decided once the pandemic started and we were home together, that the time was now. So very excited to share it. Exciting. Well, my turn. So, um, I've, I've published over 30 books and for every one of those books, Anna has been my first reader. I'm uh, my best reader. And I don't just mean nicest, but she's also been critical. I mean, she, critical in, in the sense that a writer needs. She's my critical eye. She's, she's the person who, who reads first and tells me what works and what maybe doesn't quite work. And, you know, she's like an essential ingredient in the whole writing process and bringing a book like The Go-Giver or any of the other books um, to you, to the reader. Um, but this is the first time that she's come around to the other side of the desk and been the writer. Um, the, the book is in two halves. It's the first half is the parable and the second half is called the practice. And it, it's a practical guide on how to apply these principles in your actual everyday life. And that's, I wrote the parable primarily. The second part, the practice is really Anna's writing. And Anna started out in life long before we knew each other. She, um, she went to graduate school and earned her master's degree in the area of psychology and education. And she, she went into practice as a family therapist and, and counselor. And that was her kind of her first love and passion. 
in, in, in a career mm -hmm. sense. Um, I, of course, am her first love and passion in the human sense. Um, <laughs> that's, actually, we didn't meet until we were in our, in our, in our late 40s, but that's another story. Uh, that was her career, although from that point, she did something very similar to what I did, which was that she went through career after career after career. She did a lot of different things. Where her interests and circumstances led her, she co-founded the first um, College of Chinese Medicine in New England and was very involved in the whole natural healing and Chinese medicine world for many, many years. Highly skilled um, uh, acupressurist, uh, formal massage um, therapist. And she uh, was in a, in a modern dance troupe in Israel. She did all kinds of educational things. She led a, a community-wide uh, program supporting the families of people with Alzheimer's. And she did her did one of her theses on, on uh, topics related to Alzheimer's disease. So she has this kind of broad, eclectic, Catholic with a small C, uh, uh, you know, experience and range of interests. But still the counseling thing, the family therapy thing is really her first, first love. And uh, we got together a quarter century ago or so. We've been together for about two and a half decades. And the, the Goal Giver came out, as some of you may know, in 2008, we started writing it, Bob and I, in the beginning of 2005. Bob had this idea for a book, and he, he uh, wanted me to write it with him. And he invited us down to his place, and the two of us spent a day with Bob. But the three of us sat around his living room and threw ideas back and forth. And then Anna and I went back to New England and thought about it. And over the next six weeks, the first rough, very rough, manuscript of The Go-Giver um, emerged from my desktop printer. And Anna was the first person to read it. And she, and she said two things, A, this is amazing. And B, this would make a great book on relationships, on marriage. Uh, and she said, let's, let's write a book called The Go-Giver's Wife. And over the years, <laughs> the idea percolated. And it, it ended up not being The Go-Giver's Wife, but as you can see over my shoulder and over Anna's shoulder, The Go-Giver Marriage. It's really a book about relationships. We targeted and aimed at marriage. And this is, was Anna's original field of specialty. And it's become our personal field of passion. Uh, for years, friends asked, would ask us, what's your guys' secret sauce? What, what, is, what makes your love so fresh? You know, why is it that you go through hardships and difficulties and calamities in your life? And, and instead of getting like stressed out and bitter, you guys just seem to get younger and younger and, and more and more in love. So this book is our attempt to bottle that and, 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 and give it to the world. It's our, our love letter to the world. And it, it, it's really, as I said, a book about relationships. We focus on marriage, but it applies to any relationship really that is a long-term, meaningful, close relationship. That could be a couple, that could be colleagues, business partners, it could be siblings, it could be parent and child. It's really about human beings in close relationship over long periods of time. And um, if it weren't for Anna, the book wouldn't exist. Oh, well, if it weren't for Anna, the second half of the book certainly wouldn't exist because she wrote it. But also the idea of the book was hers. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, here to try to do my best to look handsome and not say anything foolish. <laughs> I think you're doing fine, John. And I have to say, when when we went through the book, we were going, well, I'm not going to give away all the secrets. We were going, 
people ask us the same because like we yes you too we work together we yeah. we've worked together ever since we've known each other in different businesses both in our career business as accountants and management consultants and then in our online business which has actually been for over a decade now and people go well don't you fall out with each other yeah frequently <laughs> but <laughs> but Let's say, let's say we have, we have uh, spirit, sp spirited discussions. And differences of opinion from... <laughs> but we're Excellent. still here 31 years later. But, you know, you raised something, and I love your introduction to Anna, and it, it gives our viewers and listeners a real feel for what they're going to find out when they get their hands on the book. But I was talking to Chris earlier because I, I was looking at... I, I have all your books on our bookshelf, but I literally picked up this off the shelf and the it's, the it's the original you can see it's like it's wow. old it's yeah quite tattered. and it fell open this is coincident it fell open on page 82 and it's when mm. joe is talking to um, pindar and mm -hmm. they're talking about the fact that pindar has been married to his wife for 50 years and he says he says to him he just can't imagine how they could be so in love and all the rest. And, and he says, the reason is I care more about my wife's happiness than I do about my own. This is encompassed so much in your relationship together and the way you've positioned the book. Mm. I'm not giving away any secrets because I've, I've already said on our social media, it is absolutely fabulous but we've got a couple of questions for you then if we may so i think he explained why you wrote the book yeah we've got that one now <laughs> so the, so the, the 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 end of that was why now yeah why did you write sweetheart you now no go ahead john well um you know part of it is part of it is just, is, is the the elapse of time by which i mean you know, The Goalkeeper came out in 2008, and then um, the publisher wanted two more books. The book that was so popular, the publisher immediately said, we'd like two more. Uh, they asked us for this book on sales, which was Goalkeeper Sell More, and they asked us for a second parable, which eventually became The Goalkeeper Leader. Um, and then each of these books takes time, and it finds its marketplace, and we were still cooking along with this idea. And then we, then we, we started to think about making the move on this book, and um, Bob had some material that he really wanted to put in a parable form about influence, how, how to have influence mm -hmm. and how to, how to solve differences. And the world was seeming to get so polarized and so nasty in its dialogue that uh, we really wanted to get that book out as well, which is about how to resolve differences without becoming enemies. That's the go-giver influencer. That's what that yeah. book is all about. Once that book was out, and it had had its time to kind of sift into the world. Um, we thought, well, you know, this verse is coming around the guitar once more and we think it's time. And then the pandemic happened. And here's what's happened with the pandemic. All of a sudden, an awful lot of people are spending a lot of quality time together they hadn't planned on. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And that's been, that's been lovely for some people less lovely for others. A lot of people have, have, have really suffered with 
the strain of relationships that were stretched and, and, you know, couples are dealing with suddenly having their kids at home and not in school and doing childcare and, and taking care of their kids and homeschooling while they're trying to do their work and everybody's struggling financially. And so it, it, stress has come at people from all directions. This is like a microcosm of what marriage is like. Mm. Stress has come at people from all directions and the place where the pressure tends to come down and crush is the relationship, the relationship of these two people at the core of the family. Um, so it, it just kind of felt to us like, well, not only is it our time to write the book, it's the world needs it. The world has never needed this book more than it needs it now. Um, this is about, you know, one of the, the, the lovely endorsers, Harville Hendricks and Helen McKelly Hunt, they said in their endorsement of the book, they said, falling in love is easy. Staying in love, that's the tricky part. And that's really what we're addressing. Nobody needs our help falling in love. People know how to do that. That's easy. <laughs> Staying in love for years and years and years. And having it not just stay, but be lovely, be fruitful, get richer and richer and richer. You guys, you two, you just radiate it. I mean, it's so obvious on all of your broadcasts, just in your emails. I mean, you, you just <laughs> look at Chris's face. Is this a face of a happy man? <laughs> I've never seen you, Chris, wear any expression other than the one you're wearing pretty much right now, which is like this joy. Um, it, it, the world, I think, has never needed this book more, more than it needs now. And it was, it was just felt like it was the right time. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think if you look at all of the books that you have co-written with Bob, they've all arrived at a time and place when something is needed. And this connection thing and respecting each other's own journey, your own career, your own path, whatever it is, this explains it so, so, so well. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not giving away the secrets, but I mean, I just keep reading it again and again because I learned something out of each thing that you said throughout the book. Um, so I guess... Well, have you got something that was to say the, there, Ed, there, Anna? Sure. That was the other thing that, that um, Harville Hendricks and Helen Kelly Hunt said. They said, couples will come back to this book over and over as the years go by. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've read it multiple times. And each time there's another little jewel, there's a little, another little nugget in the story that unwraps. And I also feel like we're trying to make a point that people, when they fall in love and they're in that rush of romance, they think that this is how it's gonna be for the rest of their life. We wanna get married to this person as fast as we can because we want this to be the tone and the energy for the rest of our lives. But they don't, they don't realize that the honeymoon does back down and that regular life takes over and that tragedies happen. People lose their jobs, you know, um, the company suddenly shuts down, you know, the kinds of things that, you know, put you in the immediate crisis. And so they don't really account for those things. And for the fact that love is not a love, that romantic love is not a sustainable thing. It is actually something that can be sustained, but it doesn't sustain on itself. It's not an energy. It's a practice. 
And that is one of our overarching points in the second half of the book is that love is a practice. It's something that you actually have to endeavor to give to every day. And that when you're adding value to your partner's life, which is the whole premise of the Go-Giver series, is how can you add value to the life of someone else besides yourself? And so in a marriage that's really going somewhere, there's a whole lot of giving going on, on both sides of the fence. And that's one of our, our most powerful uh, messages with the book is that, you know, it takes just a few minutes every day to give that kind of energy and love to your partner where you're adding value to their life. Um, and we give you five secrets for how to do it. And even, yeah. And even, um, you know, little exercises for what you can do to change the tone. Um, and when you change the tone of the marriage, it only takes one person. And that's the other thing. You know, I spent years in therapy rooms with couples who were, you know, basically they were mostly interested in who was right. You know, the argument was going back and forth. And, you know, you as the therapist were sitting there like a spectator at a sport going, you know, in terms of who's right, who's wrong, and, you know, whether or not the therapist is going to agree with one side or the other, they're really trying to convince you um, so that you're going to tell their wife or their husband how to change. Um, we can't go into a relationship expecting the other person to change. That's the, the hallmark of codependence. And when you try to change the other person, you're trying to control them. You are essentially saying one of the killer lines in the, in the book is, I love you, but I love you, but I'd love you more if you lost 20 pounds. I love you, but I wish you wouldn't talk so much at parties. I love you, but, you know, and, and the list can go on and on because that's what codependence is. That's that, that effort to try to control the other person to make the relationship what you want it to be, not considering that this is an individual with their own thoughts and feelings and that you can't mold them into what you want them to be. Wow, I can see why you're such an amazing practitioner and, and I, it comes out in the book. Trust me, it comes out in the book. And I can, when I read, did the first reading, as soon as John sent it to me, I had it like it's on my iPad. I, I read very early in the morning. He's still sleeping. And like I'm reading, I'm going, Chris, Chris, you, you've, got, you've, got, you've got to read this bit. You, oh, you've got to listen to this bit. You, you've got to see Sorry, it. Chris. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, but it's true because yeah, waking him up. But the truth is, you can learn so much from somebody else's words that you never thought about or have taken for granted. And what yeah, we yes. both found from reading this was maybe we've taken some things for granted in our marriage, and we Aww. can change that. And it will be much better because of it, because we have two relationships. We have our relation, romantic relationship, loving relationship with one another. But we have a business relationship. And sometimes yes. we have to distance those because we work together. <laughs> it's it's quite a difficult one. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to dig into it even more. And he's on the second read now. So that's that's going to be interesting. Oh, fantastic. I just wanted to add one point, which is that, you know, a lot of the things, or at least some of the things that, that we talk about in the book are, are things that many people 
might do automatically, and you, you mentioned this, Susan, about taking things for granted, might do automatically when you're first in love. And there's Alan talks about that, you know, blazing uh, uh, sort of romantic love at the first, when you're first together, you're dating, you're first, first met each other. Mm-hmm. When, and it's kind of like in that, in, in, the, in the haze, in the lovely haze of that phase, the other person can do no wrong. I mean, everything about them is magnificent. <laughs> everything they do, everything they say, you just think is the most amazing thing in the world. Um, and here's the remarkable thing about that. You know, it sounds like I'm describing a person who's on drugs or who's crazy, right? <laughs> yes. You think everything they do is amazing and you're right. You're right. It is. Everything about that person is amazing. But we forget that. We start to take it for granted. It starts to slip. It isn't that we stop being in love. It's just that we start to take it for granted all the things that were amazing to us in the beginning. And so a lot of what we're trying to do in the book, or what do I, a lot of what we seek to do is to make conscious the things, the little things that we can do every day that bring that love back to life or that keep that love alive or that feed the flame even, even brighter. Um, they're things that, that come naturally. They're not, you know, they're not difficult. They're not complicated. They're not sophisticated. They're like, human indeed and honestly the way that you brought the parable into that and explain that but here's the next question because this fascinates us how did you come up with the fable within the parable because that that like was enchanting i have to say that when i read when i read your books and your stories and your parables the way they're put together you can't stop reading. It's genius. It's genius. You just can't stop reading. It's genius. I mean, I was reading a bit just before we came on, and I, so he said, oh, we've got to get on the thing. I said, hang on a minute, I've just got to finish this bit. So I'm in the middle of the... <laughs> he, he didn't want to put it down. I said, no, no, it goes on for some more chapters, don't forget. You, we've got to do this. But no, I mean, the fate... can finish now. The fate... How did you come up with that? fable idea without giving everything away because you've talked a little bit about it just now you know honestly it, it, Anna and I as she said the, the the story sort of the purpose of the story in a sense is to be the vehicle for these five secrets which you learn throughout the course of the story mm-hmm. and then are explained in the second half of the book in more practical detail so you know we knew that but figuring out how to how to describe that in a story and also in a story that had a, had a sort of a, a, a business flavor to it, because it starts out with the, the, the gent in the story. There's Tom and Tess, the, yeah. the couple who are at the core of the story. Yeah. And Tom is, is at an interview, is at a job interview for yeah. like the most important interview in his life. So I, I didn't know how to get from a job interview to the five secrets to lasting love. I'm always <laughs> quite sure. And that just took some jiggering and thinking and playing. And, uh, you know, in many mornings of, of saying, well, I don't know how this works. Once the story kind of got on its feet and I started to see where it was, I'd been reading Neil Gaiman. Um, mm. He's one of my favorite writers. He's the only fantasy writer that I, that I really read much at all. And um, his writing is so lovely and so charming. He's written a lot of books for children, some for young children, some for older children, as well as for adults. And um, I thought, oh, wouldn't this be great to have the this kind of strange, odd CFO, or actually COO, this uh, executive of this corporation who's interviewing Tom, would it be great if he, he suddenly started telling a story, like a fairy tale? And um, 
And so he did. He started it's telling a fairy tale. It's so clever. It is. It's a fairy tale. And we got, you know, a part of that was this idea of the romance and relationship as a fairy tale, right? Life is not a fairy tale. Or we wanted to say, actually, life kind of is a fairy tale. You just have to know how to tell it and how to, how to, how to relate it to your actual life. Now, it, it was fabulous. And the only clue I'm going to give our listeners and, and viewers is <laughs> a tree. Yeah. It's so, all about a tree. And you'll, you'll, you'll love it. I mean, I loved it. So you're very, very clever. Yeah. Very talented. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. I guess I would add to that by saying all parables have to find a way for one wise person to impart the lessons or the learning to the to the ingenue if you will or the 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 person who's innocent and i thought that for mr janelle who's interviewing tom to be the guy that tells this beautiful fable and in it reveals the five secrets to lasting love it it was so uh, you know, I was so charmed by it. And I, I have to tell you, I've read all the parables that John's written. And this is my favorite so far. It's I think it's an absolutely, it's a story that um, we've had multiple podcasts hosts tell us they cried at the end of the story. Hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just got so much um, feeling in it. And it, it's, it's very rich. So I, you know, I was amazed when I when I read it the first time I was like oh my goodness this is your best yet you know <laughs> so, no, it, um, it, I don't know how you're going to make the next one John that's all I can <laughs> say <laughs> maybe we should collaborate <laughs> yeah, you must, you must yeah. have a very special brain to come no. up with all these different stories and parables and fables and uh, amazing I, as you can see Anna is my biggest fan so it's Oh, we can tell, we can tell, we can yeah. tell. but we're, we're sort of intrigued. Are you Tom and Tess or are they fictional? Um, you know, my answer is yes and no. There's, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not, we're not Tom and Tess. And yet, I mean, uh, now I can't draw with beans. Tom is quite a talented, you know, artist. Uh, we're not them. And yet there are things from our life. Um, there are elements from our life that are that definitely have slipped into their story. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know if you want to say more on it or leave it, leave I'll it there. I'll just say there are some biographical elements. I, Good. Okay. I used to, yeah, I used to be a therapist for years and, um, and now I'm a coach and I'm a marriage coach but I coach one person at a time. I don't work with couples in the room together. I work with one person in the couple who wants to change the tone of the marriage and is willing to take action to do that. Mm-hmm. So it, it changes the dynamic entirely when you're not trying to be the referee of a fight, but rather you're trying to give people the skills to change the marriage. A lot of times when I was doing therapy with people, I would send them home with homework. And what would happen is that one person would fold their arms and not do the homework. The other person would earnestly do the homework, but they were like the little kid who was keeping score. It's like, I did my homework. 
how come you didn't do yours? Um, oh boy. And so the fight would begin right back in the room over who did their homework and who didn't. And often the person that didn't do their homework had almost decided that they were out of the marriage. You know, so sometimes when people come to therapy, one person agrees because they don't want to look like the bad guy, but they've already decided to leave the marriage. And so you can never tell whether it's going to make it or not. I mean, it's really both couples have to be in there wanting to shift it. And so it's a lot of work. It can be very expensive because of the time involved. And I find that um, both in group coaching, where I can coach eight to 20 people at once, um, or in, uh, and especially love it when it's eight or 10, um, I can give people more skills and more things to help their marriage and change their marriage in one or two or three coaching sessions done as a group where they're getting to hear other people's stories. They're getting to hear things about what worked, you know, because people will go home and practice the secrets and then they'll be like, wow, you have no idea what happened when I did this. And so they hear these stories and they're like, okay, it is as well. It gets them to go back and reread sections of the book, reread sections of the practice. And it starts to become infused in them where they're like, oh, right. I'm the person who can change my marriage. I have more control than I know. And that's a powerful place for people to get to. So um, I don't deny that I'm a therapist. I am a therapist. And I will stop any client in their tracks when I can see they're on the verge of crying and ask them, how are you feeling right now? You know, let's talk about where you are. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not also working on skills for how they can shift it. They might come to the th come to the coaching in a very sad place because they feel like their marriage is hanging by threads and they're scared. Um, and those feelings need to be processed too. But um, John and I are taking this out um, to churches all across the world. We're taking it out to groups and we're taking it out to do workshops that are group workshops where we'll have, you know, eight to 25 people in a, in a zoom room. And so these are all things that can be booked um, because we really believe that when people talk about the book and talk about the secrets and actually take the time to learn more about how they can actually have power in their relationship to change the entire tone and to change the feeling and the love. Um, it's so rewarding and so amazing. So we see the book as a, um, an opportunity for marriages all over the world, not only to shift, but you're about the 10th or 20th couple who have been together longer than 20 years, who have told us, you have no idea. We found new ways that we could do a better job. And we're already experiencing an upgrade in our happiness yeah. <clears throat> because yeah. of it. And that's been for us really rewarding because yeah. we've been together 25 years and people ask us all the time, what's your secret sauce? How is it that you behave like newlyweds and you've been together 25 years? Yeah. And this is it. It's giving. You know, um, we talk about we talk about marriage and about people and the difficulties with marriage and and you know frequently uh, some the, the person we're speaking with will say yes this divorce rate is just is terrible and, and yes and 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 no I, it's 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 a shame when a marriage ends when it maybe doesn't need to end but we're not just talking about keeping marriages together rather than ending we're talking about marriages that do stay together 
We're talking about helping, helping them stay together better, <laughs> like I was just describing. Um, this, this, and, and I'll make a point about the story. He asked about the parable. The two things I'd like the reader to notice about the parable part, the Tom and Tess part, which is um, number one, Tom and Tess are not on the verge of divorce. Tom and Tess are not in a therapist's office saying, that's it, we're, either you fix us or we're going to court tomorrow. It's not where they're at. Um, they love each other deeply, but they have had a very difficult six years. They have had a really tough life um, and because of circumstance. Um, and, and so their lives are under stress, but their marriage, they don't even really realize until the course of the story begins to bring it to the surface, how strained the marriage is, uh, how fragile it is. And that was intentional that we did that because that's where a lot of people are. A lot of people are like, you know, our marriage is pretty good. How, how are you in your marriage? Good, good. Well, you know what? Good is not a great answer. Good, <laughs> good. You know, how does that taste, honey? Good. You know, we, we want more than that. It's like, we're looking for, we're looking for, are you kidding? We want the kind of answer that you, you two give, you know, about your marriage. Um, so that's the first thing. Tom and Tess are not in crisis, but you know what? They might be in crisis 10 years from now if they yes. don't find something different right now. Yes. That's where a lot of people are. The second thing I want to point out is that for most of the story, Tom and Tess are apart. <laughs> it follows Tom in his story, and it follows Tess in her story. She meets a number of women who are all of, you know, all of them come from past Go-Giver books. So characters reappear, which is fun for the, for the Go-Giver readers among us. But we track their story separately. They don't come together until the last chapter. And there's a reason for that too. That is exactly what Anna was saying. The real work to be done on a marriage, the real work to be done on a relationship is work on yourself. Where the relationship changes is where I change. Where the marriage becomes stronger is where I start to contribute to it differently. The focus of the, of the book and the focus of the secrets is on what can I do in my life to, to shift, affect, deepen, improve, strengthen, you know, um, enchant, empower, increase, spark this, this relationship, mm. this situation. It's not on dwelling on how we interact, <laughs> fixing who, who did what, who did what, all that stuff. As Anna describes it, once you start getting into the mechanics of, you know, it's like that's you're walking down an alley that goes nowhere. You know, so yeah, it's it's about it's about personal work. It, it's and it, and it is so actually applicable in our business relationships as well. The people yes. that we meet in the course of our journey that we're looking to help in some way, shape, or yes. form to get to a better stage in their journey than they are at at the moment. Because as you mm -hmm. said at the beginning, it's about relationships in general. So. so I know we, we've had a fabulous time with you, but I've got to ask you this one question because it's been right here on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> How did you think of bringing Pindar back into the book? Did you did you plan for it to happen, or did it just just happen? happen? You know, um, that was an idea that 
you read that page, I think it was page 82, and I wanted to ask you, I wonder how the book happened to fall open to that particular page. But I'll say that that scene with Joe and Pindar comes immediately after a scene with Joe and Susan. It's the only only scene in the book where you see Joe at home and you see him with his wife. And that scene for me was where the idea for this book, or rather this book, (laughs) um, was born. Uh, uh, it's kind of a pivotal scene in the book. To me, that's the moment in The Go-Giver when Joe starts to get it. Mm-hmm. Joe starts to, the light starts to go on in Joe's head and heart about what Pinder's talking about. So I, there was always this idea that perhaps at the, uh, when, the, when the book came out, Pindar would, Pindar would show up. But I can, I, I've, I've already said too much. It was so clever. It was so clever. And it makes a fantastic, fantastic point when it does happen that's all I'm going to say I love a bit of mystery so listen (laughs) we've had as I said we've had a fabulous time with both of you so tell us a little bit about when your book's being launched and how people can get hold of it and if there's anything special that you have to offer that will entice them to take a look yeah a a couple of things on that we have a website Uh, first I want to say that the my dog I know. <laughs> her, her babies the do beast. That. <laughs> um, the the book launches in the U.S. Yes. on March eighth. Um, you know, typically, normally, the book would in the U.K. would launch at the exact same time. Um, because of supply chain issues, we understand that it may be delayed somewhat in the U.K. We hope not much. So I can't give you an exact date when the book will physically be there, uh, U.K. Um, hopefully, the ebook will be there immediately. But in any case. Um, it should it should be available. I haven't checked yet on Amazon.uk. I don't know if it's available there. Not, no, not at the moment. It's not yet. Okay. But we, our audience I, is worldwide, so it's okay. That's very good. I gave we have a, we have a website which is gogivermarriage.com. Gogivermarriage.com. Okay. And on that site, there is a link to I don't remember if it's Waterstones. It might be. There's a link to for UK buyers. Okay. as well as to world for worldwide buyers repository or, or something of that nature. Um, so there, there are links for pre-order for anybody anywhere on the planet. And we do have a special offer. And I know, would you like to tell the people about the special offer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they want to know. They want to know. <laughs> uh, John and I created two uh, little mini master classes um, that we have recorded. And those will be gifts to people who pre-order that they can watch. Um, on their own time, on their computer, they're just downloads. And then um, we're going to have a Zoom event, which will be a fireside chat about um, two weeks after the book launches um, that everyone who pre-orders is invited to come to. And so that will be a really fun, um, large event, lots of questions, lots of answers. Um, I think it'll just be an incredibly fun event. Oh, and that will be live with a Q&A format. But I'll also say that we'll, um, for people who pre-order and therefore have automatically tickets to that event, we'll also put it on replay um, if, oh. the time, if the time doesn't work out. Yeah, for, it's because of time zones and things. Yeah, we, exactly. I think, you know, the pandemic has done a great deal for all of us in yes. virtual events and being unable to travel um, you mentioned early on, Anna, about working with people with Alzheimer's. My mum, sadly, has Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh, yeah. It's 
it's a difficult process and we have to build that into our lives as well. Um, But we would never have been able to, even if if COVID had not been around, we would have not been able to travel across the pond because the time scale of getting back, if we had to get back, was not possible. We've loved the virtual environment. Yes, we miss live events. We love, love speaking on stage. We love the training and stuff we do. But this has been a savior for us, quite honestly. And it actually led to us launching our podcast officially. Mm. We've been doing it unofficially for a long while, but it actually led to that. And it served so many people. So you know, I think they're lovely. Fantastic. And I think our, our listeners and our, our viewers who get themselves immersed in your book and it's much more than a book will really take benefit mm. for this from any kind of relationship they have. So we, we feel very blessed to have had you both with us today. Thank you so much. It is such, I no kidding. It is such an honor to be your first podcast for 2022. Exactly. No, and I, I so appreciate, right. <laughs> I so appreciate by the way that you, you, you pointed out something really positive about, about the pandemic, which is, it sounds like a strange thing to say, but there, even in such a, a miserable, difficult, terrible situation, there really are such blessings that are easy to overlook. And you you really described one of them for us too. You know, we're going to reach people we would never be able to reach um, if we had to fly to get there. Exactly, exactly. I do hope we will get to meet you physically, both of you one day. We've always said this every time we talk, don't we, John? But we we will make it happen. We absolutely will. And I want to see Bob as well. Um, We promise we will meet him. So thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for our our viewers and our listeners for joining us live today. And even if you're watching the recording, which we hope you'll go back to many, many times. There's so many snippets of value here that you're going to take away to any kind of relationship you have. So John and Anna, thank you again. And uh, we very much look forward to having you back on our podcast and maybe talk about some feedback you've had from the book in a few months time that would lovely. be lovely lovely i love That'd it be lovely because <clears throat> there's more last, to say i think the last thing i'm going to say is we've read the book we've got it on the on, on the, the ipad on the ipad we were very lucky to to get thank an you, advanced John. copy thank you. um and so all i'm going to say to you is when you've listened to this just go and pre-order it yes. because it is probably one of the most amazing books that Absolutely. we've ever read no, um, the stories and the parables in it i just find them absolutely unputdownable we're going to get you on, get you to sign our copy when we eventually meet excellent great <laughs> look forward thank to this thank you so much thank you thank take you. care of yourselves bye-bye you too bye-bye, bye-bye. this is the retirement lifestyle podcast with chris and susan beasley 